0: God, thank you again uh, for another uh, Tuesday morning and an opportunity like we have on so many days to study and, and worship. And whether we do that uh, with a group or, or uh, by ourselves, Lord, we just pray that we will continue to, to pour our hearts uh, into uh, studying and learning more about you. Uh, and ultimately, um, you pouring your spirit into us. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'll be with us uh, as we um, learn more about you it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Okay, uh, well, I guess it's no surprise, although I love surprises. It's no surprise that we're going to be studying uh, the woman at the well. Uh, I've provided you with a highlighter. Uh, If you wouldn't mind uh, getting that ready, we're going to be using that in just a second. Uh, And we'll talk about uh, why we're going to have that. Woman at the Well is another story that I really enjoy, and it's something, uh, while it's a longer uh, text, uh, it does provide us with some, some great application. Uh, and it's another one of these texts that if we're willing to invest into and ask ourselves questions about it, then I think there's a lot that we can get from it. Uh, there is just this large gap that we have between us and almost any biblical text Uh, in the sense of, uh, historically speaking, uh, in the sense of of time frame, uh, and so it's important for us to really ask these questions and not place necessarily or or immediately place uh, the the story in 2013. We want to find out what did it mean then and then bring it forward. So we're going to try to do that. Uh, I have provided a highlighter with you, and and there is really nothing in particular that I want you to highlight except for things that seem interesting to you. As we're going through this, think about who and when and where. If there is a statement that seems that draws out a question, highlight that. Uh, if there's something that you have a comment on. Uh, You can highlight that as well. I want you to ask questions. And so I want you to be thinking about questions that you can ask of this text as we go along. So have your highlighter with you. And we will begin John chapter uh, 4. If you notice already, we skipped the first three verses. Uh, We'll talk about those in a minute, but we're going to pick up in verse 4. And I'll go ahead and give you a hint here. Uh, The the pronoun he in verse 4 is going to be Jesus. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're now living with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or... Why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and she said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food," said Jesus, "is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish His work. Don't you have a saying it's four months and four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the true and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, The saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to him, We no longer believe just because of what you said. We now have heard ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. John chapter 4. Okay, let's take just a few minutes. Uh, What are some things that you highlighted, some things that stuck out to you? Is this the first time that people had issues with getting Jesus' message? Uh, let's kind of take a little bit of context into this. And and you don't even have to open your Bibles and you're going to know this. Um, what happened in the previous chapter? This is John chapter 4, so that was John chapter 3. We all know John 3. We know John 3, 16. Uh, For God so loved the world. Who did he say that to? He said that to Nicodemus. Prior to that, in their discussion, Jesus is reminding Nicodemus that if you want to have eternal life, you have to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And do you remember what Nicodemus asked? He says, you have to be born again. And what did he say? How could a grown man be born again? Is he supposed to enter back into his mother's womb? He didn't really get it. Here we have the Samaritan woman who didn't really get it. The disciples later on, they're not really going to get it. The people who leave Jesus after he feeds them. And they say, his teaching is too hard. They don't get it. and They leave. I mean, they still have the taste of the bread and loaves on their mouth. I mean, it's only a day later. And they say, his teaching is too hard. I just, I I can't handle it. Um, But um, she was literal. Did she want to get it? I mean... Was she possibly evasive? Do you think that maybe she really was trying to avoid? I think she was. Um, You know what? Here we have another big-time Jew. He comes through here. He thinks he's all that, and he says, Oh, let me give you water. You can't give me water. You don't have a bucket. And Even if you had a bucket, look how deep the well is. You have no way to draw it out. Okay, so she's doubting to a great degree, um, his ability. And she goes back and says, you know what, um, you think you're greater than Jacob who dug this well and who drank from it along with his descendants and his livestock? I mean, she's really trying to say, hey, um, you may think you're all that, but you're really not. Um, well, uh, and and that's really a good question. Uh, being a, a Samaritan, uh, there would have been an issue. Remember, we have... Um, Uh, Abraham, okay, and and who did he have? Isaac, and who also did he have? He had Ishmael, okay. Uh, And so from that we have uh, the um, Abraham, which would have been considered the father of the Jews. Uh, It was from Jacob, um, who would later uh, be named what? After the wrestling, the Israelites. And it was the Israelites who were descended down, but then they were taken off into captivity. And once they were taken into captivity, was everybody, was everybody taken into captivity? Uh, no, not everyone was taken into captivity. Uh, there was a remnant that remained. What happened to the remnant? What did they do? They regrouped with who? Whoever was left. And they crossed borders. Uh, and they came back, and that's how we have uh the Samaritans uh and so the jews the the Jews would consider themselves Abraham as their father, not only just through the lineage but because he was the father of their faith okay and so um, the Samaritans weren't considered faithful, and to call uh, Abraham their father um W- wouldn't wouldn't have been very uh, I hate to use the word kosher, pardon the pun, but that would have been the case. Uh, and secondly, um, there right there was Jacob's well that he had dug, and so that was the obvious of well. Here's Jacob's well right here, you know. Um, and, and what she's kind of saying is, um, hey, don't forget we come from the same family. You may think you're a lot better than us, but The last time I checked, if you draw back, yeah, we're we're both from Jacob. Um, uh, Although, well, that's the Ishmaelites, and that's another story. So I I probably didn't answer that one very well at all, but I I found mud, and I put it in the water, and now it's less clear than it was. Uh, What else did you highlight? Did he have to go through Samaria? I'm glad you I knew someone would ask that question. And for those of you who remember about a year ago or a little little less than that, about nine months ago, I did a series on this. And so you might if you were here on a Sunday morning, you saw this. Uh this is as big a piece of paper as I had, so bear with me here. Um okay. Uh Jesus performed his first miracle, which was and he did that where Cana of Galilee. He's up here. He's in Cana of Galilee. He's going to go to Capernaum next. This is in uh, John uh, chapter 2 and 3. Okay, and then it says he's going to go up to Jerusalem. Okay, is that, do y'all see, here's Jerusalem right here. Somebody help me out. Why is he in Capernaum? And it says he's going to go up to Jerusalem. It's a higher altitude. They, they were, it wasn't a north-south type of deal. They were talking about going up. Actually, he ended up going to the Judean countryside, and then um, he made his way up to Jerusalem. Okay, so that is, when we end John chapter 3, he is, uh, and actually the start of John 4, he's in Jerusalem. And so now he's supposed to go up to, um, he's going to go back up to Cana. In just a little bit. And it says he had to go through Samaria. Okay, so it's very hard to see, but there's some red uh, lines here. These are the different routes that they could have taken. Uh, Here's Jerusalem. There is, in fact, a straight line that seems like this is how you would go um, to get there. Okay? Um, This, however, uh, is an alternate route that most Jews took. Uh, Jews didn't like Samaritans, Samaritans didn't like Jews. In fact, when they came back to rebuild the the temple, uh, you know, with Ezra and Nehemiah in that time, and they were saying, they were rebuilding the wall, and they said, Hey, can we help? And they said, No, Um, because we left, we were in captivity, and you went off and uh, made yourself impure. Um, and so you, you took on other, um, people and you took on other cultures and you took on other, um, gods. And so you're not a part of this. Uh, and they said, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll go to our own place to worship. Okay. So, um, this is how they actually, they normally went around. So, um, you know, I, am not good with geography, but I grew up in Texas. So, um, imagine living in Texas and going to Kansas, and saying that, I'm going to go to Kansas, but I will not go through Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's like Samaria. That was a lot funnier in my mind than it was, I guess, when I when I said it didn't come out right, because Oklahoma, the, the sooner Samaritans. Okay, anyway, whatever. Uh, okay, so he did not have to go through there. In fact, usually they didn't go through there, but in, in this instance, that was funny, Jamie. Come on. I know. That's what makes it so funny. <laughs> So he says he has to go through here, and you can see the little red arrow. I I don't know if I've done the good teacher job of showing it, but that middle arrow right here is Sychar. And he said he had to go through there. Did he have to go through there? Uh, Geographically, no. That's right. I mean, because you always have that question. As he punched it in, he had his camel-mounted GPS. You know what? I'm going to say it had nothing to do with geography. I'm going to say it had to do with he understood that he had a call to go there. Remember, where were we last week? This, now we're really stretching. Who, who did we talk about? Lydia. And, and it was Paul. And Paul wanted to go down into Asia. And instead he had a dream and it's called the Macedonian, Macedonian Call. And so he ended up going across. And so I'm going to liken uh, that to this. Is that Jesus didn't have to go through except that he had a meeting with this woman who he had never met, uh, and she didn't know about, and yet he, he knew that, that um, God wanted him to go through there. Um, again, how well would this have been received by the Jews, the Pharisees? How, how would they have perceived Jesus heading through Samaria, talking to a Samaritan who was a woman uh, who was living? This is bad. This is three strikes. Three strikes against this woman, um, and so um, this would have been really. This would have been really. Um, you know, they there were some there were some laws that um, said don't have anything to do with Samaritans, um, and Jesus broke those. Okay, what else? What else sticks out? Anything else that you highlighted? Okay, um, I, let me ask this question. Do you blame her? Can I ask you a question? I think this is really going to hit home to a lot of you ladies. It certainly does to me. My wife will amen this one. What if somebody came up and told you, um, I can help you in such a way that you will never have to go to Walmart again? (laughs) How many of you are like, I'm in. I'm all over that. Yeah, I mean, if somebody said, you don't have to go to the grocery store anymore, that I'll that, you know what, I will I will take care of those needs. How many of you enjoy standing in line for 30 minutes in one of the three lanes that they have open? So this would have been something that, I mean, she's like, hey, there's some benefits to that. I mean, uh, it, I would dare say that this is worse than Walmart. Uh, she went when? Middle of the day. A lot of people talked about this. Why do you think she went the middle of the day? Yeah, because that's when. Yes, yeah. This was um, this was the well back then. Um, would have been like the water cooler today. That's where all the gossip gets traded. That's where people sit and hang out and talk. Um, this would have been where they would have talked about. That particular woman, did you hear? She's living with another guy. Uh, She's had five husbands and this guy's not even her husband. Uh, And so she didn't want to go in the heat of the day. She went at that point because she didn't want to look at other people. She didn't want to see the sneers and the whispers. Yeah, wow. And to think that a Samaritan who obviously is shunned by the Jews is, in fact, shunned by her own people. What else? Um, it, it was not uncommon for a rabbi to have someone to go and, and do that. Uh, again, I, I think that the bigger picture was is that he knew that he wanted to talk to this woman. And if he could get rid of him. Um, do you think they would have hindered his ability to have a conversation with her? Well, Sure. Sure. Uh, And I'm going to draw something out that's going to be a little hurtful. Um, But it's clear that some of Jesus' closest followers prevented some people from really getting to see Jesus. Or they attempted to inadvertently. Do you know where I'm going with this? That there are in fact followers of Jesus today who through their actions and through what they think should happen, prevent others from getting to see Jesus for who He really is. You know, we talked about, uh, not in great detail, but we talked a little bit about the bleeding woman. And then no one was concerned about her. They didn't care if she saw Jesus. They were concerned about Jairus. And so they just said, let's go on along. And I think it's an important reminder for us that, that we point people to Jesus uh, instead of judging them and saying, Ah, you're really not worthy, or you won't get it, or this is not for you. You know, is there anyone in the Bible who is less worthy or likely to receive the message than this woman right here? Um, and at some point, um, you know, we'll talk about the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and with this bottle of perfume. There's another one. She's in the top five of people who probably would never hang around Jesus or um, seemingly accept or be accepted by Jesus according by what others thought. And he commends her. The centurion man. Uh who who goes up to jesus and says listen you can just uh you can uh do your healing right here you don't even have to come to my house and jesus commends him for that yes jerry um i i learned several years ago and i grew up in a very uh a similar uh setting I, I remember the the arguments that broke out over whether we could have a kitchen in the the church building—I mean, those were a big deal—and some of those things. One of the things I learned a little later on in life is uh, um, God has the right and the ability to choose uh, to use people that I disagree with uh, because of my upbringing. And everybody has an upbringing. Everybody has a heritage. Everybody has a lens in which they view life, and that doesn't mean that that's the only way that God can work and as we begin to understand that God has used um literally millions of people uh throughout history uh that um never met in a building that looks like ours and and did they have kitchens in the first century church? Yes, they did. Because they met in people's houses. Uh now their k- kitchens may not have looked like ours look now, but um you know what we just have to be more focused on God and less focused on what we think um, God wants of other people uh, and, and whether or not He would actually accept them. That's a tough lesson. What else? Well, you know, ultimately, Carol, she was a kind of a, a tough nut to crack. And she was probably, like I said, probably the last one that anybody would think or expect. Jesus shouldn't have been talking to her. Not only was he a Jew, he was a rabbi. And he picked, and I, I say this very carefully, but she was kind of the worst of the worst. And he chose her. And, and as, as Paul said, you know, remember when Paul prayed for a thorn to be removed from him? And God's response was, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in, in weakness. It, it is through her in, uh, her fallibility It's through her issues, her struggles, her past, even her resistance to accept him. That showed the ugliness of sin and despair and living a worldly life. And he changed her. And so I'm thinking, and I I don't take this the wrong way, but I'm thinking, listen, if he can use a Samaritan woman who's, you know, um, been with, Six different guys now when she's living with one she's not married to. If God can use her, can't he really use anybody? Yes. If, if you look at this story, and that's really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Because as you look at this story, this is not um, Jesus took a swing at it. Oh, well, you know, it didn't work out. I'm out of here type of deal. Mm-hmm. He kept pressing. Uh, but in such a loving way because what would have any other pharisee have done of course he's the one he knew her situation because he's a prophet but if someone another rabbi had learned that she had been with five different husbands and she's living with a different guy what would have happened to that conversation had it even started it's over it's done with and and they would have slammed her and said you are worthless You you will never be a part of the kingdom. God has no place for you. You're out of here. And instead of rebuking her, he finds something positive. He says, you're right. You don't live with your husband now. And, And he could have said, you know what, you're pretty much worthless. Just get your water and go yeah I love this she could have she she might have been like the first politician do you see how she changed the story so quickly um he says um um you're right that you don't have a husband uh verse 18 verse 19 I can see that you're a prophet see that mountain over there you Jews I mean was that not a perfect like hey let's change the subject type of deal and did Jesus let her off the hook No way, he didn't, and he didn't walk away. Um, He answered her questions. I think that was a great diversion on her part, except it was ineffective. Because Jesus went a lot deeper than that. I I just, I love, love, love this story. I'm so thankful that that Jesus chose to go down this road, and I'm so thankful that John chose to write about it. Okay, so what else? (laughs) I know, like, okay, maybe noon isn't the best time. Maybe I need to try the 2 o'clock slot. You know, how can I get away? Um, she did, and and maybe she was thinking, how can I backpedal out of this? And certainly pointing to the, the mountain was one of the ways. She kind of turned it back on him, like, hey, you're the one who won't let us worship. Okay, and and to me, I mean, I can almost get chills just thinking about this. This is a woman who I don't know how long this conversation would have taken. We don't necessarily know that Jesus didn't have a longer conversation. This is what we have recorded, but let's assume that this took 15 minutes of dialogue. 15 minutes at noon, she was quite possibly, we don't know for certain, but it seems to be like she's sneaking out to the well so she doesn't see anyone. And She meets Jesus, and what changes? Yeah, everything changes. She went from being, I'm a worthless outcast that no one will want to talk to. They're just going to make fun of me and belittle me. It went from that to, I, am, I don't care what other people think. And what, what happens to her pot? She left it. And we don't know if it's because she's in such a hurry that, you know what, I'll come back and get it later, or you know what, you know what, that doesn't mean anything anymore. And for a woman who wouldn't dare show her face at watering time at the well, and now she's running to the rest of the people in the city, and she goes to them, Winnie. Okay, and so why did the upper class people, why, did, why was Jesus ineffective with them? they didn't need him. They thought they had it figured out. Why do I need Jesus? And I'm I'm not going to indict every one of you, but we live in a country that is very, very, very wealthy. I don't want to use the word blessed, although that's a word we like to use when we talk about America. We're blessed because we have big houses and indoor plumbing and several vehicles and Internet and all those types of things. I'm not sure how blessed we are because we have them, because in many ways I think that probably... Um, doesn't allow us to focus on, on what God has for us, um, and so uh, He chose this woman. Uh, just in in ten seconds, throw out some uh, people that God has used uh, in, in the Bible. Let's look at the Bible. Give me a name. Uh, Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, and he was a tax collector, and a bad one at that. When I say bad morally, he was a bad one because he took more than he should have taken. Okay, who else did he use? He used fishermen, smelly, stinky fishermen, and they were fishermen because, you know why? Because they weren't selected to be, you know, trained under a rabbi. They didn't make the cut, and Jesus used them. Who else did, who else did God use? He used Saul, and Saul had issues, to say the least, the spear-throwing, you know, hunting-down-David type. He used him. Who else did he use? He used lepers. He used, lepers. He used Rahab. He used uh, David. He used Moses, by the way. Moses was, uh, um, he lied, he murdered, um, he was a basket case, <laughs> um, <laughs> He used all these people, I know, I know, I know. He used Peter, he used Matthew, a tax collector. I mean, the best you can say of the twelve that he chose is they're a motley crew. They fought among themselves and argued, and um, they left him, most of them. One of them betrayed him, the other denied him, and he used all of them. You're right, I mean, there were, and, and we, don't, we don't necessarily know about that, um, Yeah, (laughs) and if if her nose wasn't crooked, the guys, I mean, because that's actually one of the things they said, if she has a crooked nose or one eyelash is longer than the other, you know, they could, yeah, that's a really good point, I never picked her out as someone who just had a, a, a terrible lot in life, and either way, whether she was shunned by other people or they just felt bad for her, Jesus offered her something different, but that's a really good point, Jerry? Yes, she was not completely uh, uneducated. I mean, she, she still knew. Um, and I, I think one of the most important things that we can, can get out of this story is we, we have to stop looking at the outside and, and creating these walls of who we think God likes and doesn't like and who will accept Jesus and who won't accept Jesus. I mean, here we have... Jesus used this woman. I, I love that she goes back and the whole town follows follows her. And we talked about, if you imagine the scene, and we don't know how this played out, but I, I see it looking a little bit like this. She leaves, she takes off, she goes to go get the town. They're heading back in. As they're heading back in, people are saying, the disciples are saying, Jesus, are you hungry? He says, listen, you know, my will is due the one my Father who sent me. I mean, he says, this that's my food is is to do what God has called me to do. And he says, look at the fields. And they look out at the fields and they see the wheat, right? But then I also imagine as they look over the horizon, they see these little heads start to bob up. And coming over this field are these people. And leading the way is the Samaritan woman who says, look, there he is. He's still there. And... and Jesus makes this very powerful statement, Look, the fields are, are ripe for the harvest. And so they, um, it's a reminder to keep looking at the ways God can use um, individuals, even those who we think might not fit um, our, our certain um, expectations. Yeah, and even in Jesus' time, it came a little bit of a problem because after Jesus says, I'm coming back, Paul had to address an issue because some people were so ready for him to come back that they said, hey, I'm not going to work anymore. Jesus is about to come back. I'm just going to kind of hang out with my friends. And that's when Paul says, listen, if, if you're not going to work, you don't deserve to eat. That that wasn't an issue of employment. That was, uh, listen, you, you can't just lay around. There's There's work to be done. But they had this expectation that Messiah was coming. Um, how many of you have, have woken up and, and said, maybe it's today, it could be the day Jesus could be coming back. I just don't know. I mean, I'm looking at my watch. I you know, I may only have 12, 14 hours left. Who can I reach? Who can I get to? Um, or are you like me? Uh, yeah, I hope He comes, but you know, I kind of have a few things I want to get done first. Um, before that happens, uh, but I mean, I want you to come, we just don't say quickly, <laughs> we wouldn't come, come just, no, not just yet, so yeah, I think we miss out on the urgency of uh, of that, and the, the fact that it's our number one priority, so, the excitement of it. They were now. They were expecting something different, and what Jesus did. You look at there's many, many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. None of them really what anybody expected him to do. I mean, they, they didn't say, "Oh yeah, he is going to come uh, from Bethany, and he's going to be scorned and hated, and uh, he's going to be crucified." Although those those were in fact prophecies that he fulfilled. They were kind of They they were they had already built up their perfect Messiah. Uh, but yes, they, they, there was an expectation. They were looking for Him. So are we looking for Him? I mean, are you really looking for Him? I mean, is that, is that more important to you than anything else? Uh, and if it is, it's going to have some pretty drastic implications on your life. If what you really want is the Messiah to return. Uh, and, and to make every effort to, to help people get to know Him. Um, We we talk about great restaurants and good movies and things that we like and, you know, people spend hours pinning and, um, you know, uh, viewing Pinterest to see all the neat and latest things Um, and I'm not picking on anyone, but I I know there's probably a few of you who have you know, like to pin stuff, and I'm not saying Pinterest is bad, but I'm saying if we had an excitement and expectation, and we, we cared as much about talking about Jesus as we did about the recipe we found on Pinterest, then what would it do for us? And now I've stepped on everybody's toes, and I'll be sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> is that right, um, But But thankfully... Yes, I still. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't want to eat that great meal that came from the recipe that was on Pinterest. I'm, I'm, I'm. I row in the same boat as you do, um, but we need to be excited for, for what Jesus does. And and when we are transformed by Him, we go we go into the town, and we say, "Come out and and meet our Jesus." Uh, I, I think that's an important part of evangelism. So yes, yeah, they were afraid. <laughs> They, they didn't want to say anything. They didn't want to ask any questions. They thought, oh, this is not good. I mean, he's up to something. They're, this is about a year into his ministry, and he's starting to pick up speed, and things are starting to go well. But um, they've already learned a little bit that maybe there are some questions that are left not asked, <laughs> for sure. Uh, that That's a good point, Julia. Okay, let's go ahead and close out with a prayer. God, again, I just I am so thankful for John chapter 4, and not just the fact that, um, it was written, but but it was lived out uh, by Jesus. And when Jesus did those things, uh, it is a representation of who you are. Uh, and so, Lord, I, I'm thankful uh, that you chose that woman at the well, that you had to go through that town, and that, that you used her in a powerful way to reach an entire group of people and how, uh, how she originally... Um, planted a seed in their life and they believed because of her. Ultimately, uh, they, they believed because of Jesus. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we uh, take all of those to heart. Lord, just please uh, be with us uh, as in some ways we feel like we're at that woman at the well and, uh, or maybe we're afraid to go talk to others about you. May we have that urgency and desire to tell others about you, who you are and how you've changed our lives. Uh, May we always glorify You. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.